Come join the conversation The show that you've been wanting Keep it real with no filter Weekly we share discussions WWSD Interviewing creative guests Talking the creative process And sharing all the influences From TV and film Emmy nominated and winning Yeah they coming through Actors and comedians too Directors and writers Way more than a few Masters of their craft Yes Tune in You gotta see This the podcast that you need WWSD Welcome to the WWSD Podcast. Weekly, we share discussions with interesting and creative people. We are sponsored by Collector's Maze. You can check them out at collectorsmaze.com for all things related to fandom. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Seamus. How's it going, Seamus? It's going great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. well I'm, uh, I'm excited for tonight. Oh, man. Tonight, we got a very special guest. We are joined by comedian and actress, Brittany Brave. Brittany has recently uh, been named the best comedian in Miami, and she's been touring back and forth in Florida and New York and doing lots of stand-up. Lots of cool acting, and we're really excited to talk to her tonight. Brittany, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, my God. It's great to be here. Hi. I'm ovulating. Oh, good. <laughs> that's good. That's why That's why you're having the wine, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a perfect storm. Getting it in. Yeah. <laughs> Getting it in. Last time I ovulated and I had wine, it did not end in my favor. So, listen, <laughs> just, you know, the podcast is a safe route. It could be worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're doing uh something pretty cool in New York uh, last week. What was that? Yeah, I did um New York Comedy Festival. It was my fourth time. That feels right. You know what? Honestly, comedy in New York is kind of always the New York Comedy Festival. Um, <laughs> you know, if you live there and you were a comic up there, you're always kind of like, okay, well, what's different about this? And there is stuff that's different. Like I actually had a really great trip and I did some shows and panels for Citibank at Caroline's about like women in comedy, which was really exciting and very cool. And I, I, you know, did a lot of fun shows, but it's kind of like a running joke that if you have a show already in New York and it falls during New York comedy festival, you're like, well, my show's a part of the New York comedy festival too, you know? So, but yeah, it was good. I split my time between there and Miami. How many times did you get to perform while you were there for, for the festival? It's always like hitting the ground running when I'm there. Like I come back, I come back like a broken human being after <laughs> I go to New York. I'm not even kidding. Like I, I have like one gland that's really swollen right now. Like I'm like, I'm on the verge of losing an eye, like a weird pain in the center of my back. I probably did three to four spots a night. Nice. Oh, wow. Times a week. So 20 is probably a safe number. Uh, it's, it's a lot, but. I miss that down here because you don't really necessarily have that in Florida. So I, I, I missed it a lot. Just like if, if one doesn't scratch the itch, you get to just like boom, 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 boom. And get right back on it. Yeah. How, how long is sets were they? Were they uh, like 10 minutes sets, 20 minutes sets? I'm at the point where I'm doing, I think the least amount is like seven or eight. I don't really know how to have five minute sets because as you guys are going to quickly learn, I'm a chatty little bitch. So <laughs> um, to have, if I get if five, I'm like, what do you want me to do when I'm up there? Like a like juggle i don't know so i i think there were the, the least amount was seven or eight minutes and then the most was i headlined my show actually the women in comedy thing i did 15 and then i headlined my show and did 30 oh, okay yeah i'm working on closing out an hour now so yeah nice. nice yeah you got to you got to judge the roast battles up there too i did i'm so bad at it i'm so- <laughs> <laughs> i am such a human being i really am like i'm a good person but i'm a bitch and I roast like the crowd. It's like a part of what I do on stage. Like I love fucking with people, especially hecklers and stuff. But for some reason, I'm so bad at roast battles and I'm so bad at judging them too. And like, (laughs) it was at like 1am and I was, I'm like an old lady and they were like, make sure you make jokes in between the rounds. I was like, I want to go home. I was like, I'm tired. Give me pizza. Like, so, I mean, it was fun. It was great, but I, you know. I wasn't the star anyway. It's up to them to win and shit, not me. So whatever. Yeah, definitely. I just love watching men hurt each other's feelings. That was my case. Oh yeah, that's that's a lot of yeah. fun. I like I like watching people get feelings hurt. But uh, why do you think you're bad at roast battles? I think. Well, first I said I love watching a roast joke land and seeing it hit the person personally. <laughs> like, <laughs> people are like, oh yeah, all right, that's good. Okay. And every now and again one hits and you're like, that one hit. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like how, how did you know about that? <laughs> exactly. Like how did you know about bed or whatever? I don't know why I'm so bad. I haven't done them a lot. To be honest, I like playful roasting. 
And then I'm kind of a comedy snob. Like I don't like hacky comedy and I don't like roast battles because I think it's kind of cheap. So I haven't done a ton of them. And people are always like, oh, but you're so like savage and quick on stage or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but that's because that's like in the moment. And it's never really mean. It's like just like, you know, dealing with hecklers. So for some reason, once you tell me to write roast jokes, I'm like feminine side. I'm like, I don't want to hurt his feelings. Like, oh, <laughs> should I go in there? Should I say that? I don't know. So how did you actually get into comedy? Mental illness. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. That or daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> channel it somewhere. And this is where I channeled mine. I've always been a big comedy fan. That, you know, I always, I've, I've been performing basically my whole life. Stand up is just the new thing. Like I always did improv and acting and dance and okay. all of that kind of stuff. And then stand up is like the newest addition to it. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just born a weirdo. Figured out a way to make it work for me on stage. So now here we are. Did you start in Miami? No, I started. Well, mm, mm, trick question. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> My mental illness started in Miami. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it all started in Miami. I grew up in Miami, which is where comedy began for me. I started theater and improv and sketch in Miami. Like I did it all throughout high school. I, I was a part of like just the funny and like impromity and all of these like local improv theaters and stuff. So I guess I technically started comedy there. And then I did a shit ton of it in college competitions, sketch and improv at university of Florida, but stand up, I started in New York. So a little bit of both. What, um, what, what brought you to New York? Uh, if, if it wasn't stand up. Mental health. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you follow, do you like follow a dude up there or something? <laughs> no, all I, follow, I followed men more or less accomplished places. <laughs> <laughs> I once followed a man to Salt Lake City. And oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, I went up there because I'm also I have family there and I was technically born in Jersey and I always really loved New York. And, you know, once I had the agency to move and actually live where I wanted, it was kind of a no brainer to make it New York. So, yeah, I think a lot of major cities are like this. And I also think hometowns are like this. I just have like a love hate with New York. Like I hate it so much sometimes, but also I can't. Much like the men I followed across the country, I can't shake them, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. What's the essence of New York that you love? That's a perfect way to phrase it. It's just a very fancy way to phrase a place where you see a lot of people pissing on rats. So, <laughs> it's like a really, like... Uh, human excrement. That's the that's the essence of New York. Yeah. <laughs> I think it actually isn't that. I think it's in, like, the the glitz and the glamour of it. I think it's the fact that it's a city that always keeps you on your toes and you can have the highest of highs and the lowest of low. And you can be like, like the richest, coolest things and people are up there, but also like people, you know, scraping pennies together to make rent are there too. So I actually will say probably is that. The fact that like, it, it can be amazing and magical just as much as it can like break you down. And it's like never a city that you feel like you've like fully conquered pretty toxic i think in the sense that like the highs are very high and the lows the lows are very low like for everything that's really shitty about it like would be my friend's joke like you're like fuck this place i'm so broke like somebody peed on me again and thought i was a rat or like <laughs> you know and my pizza food poisoning my pizza and da, 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 or i miss my train and it's so but then like i don't know like you see the skyline at night and you're like hmm, all right i'll do three more years like it's just fuck <laughs> It yeah. yeah that sounds that sounds like a toxic relationship <laughs> yeah like, like new yorkers like they'll, they'll complain about new york all the time but like god forbid you say anything about their city they, they'll lose it on you it's like only, only we're allowed to complain about new york kind of thing it's just... i'm only allowed to complain about yeah. new york if i live there but if everybody else is like i don't really get it i'm like you shut your dirty filthy fucking florida mouth like it's a it's a magical place <laughs> that place is incredible and you don't even know it until you've lived yeah. there it made me like you know yeah Totally. Yeah, but the rent's too high. There's traffic. There's garbage. Yeah, so much. Yeah, you're like, I love the fact that I got peed on. I love it. Like, you know, like, yeah. So Six thousand dollars a month for a studio apartment. Yes. Yes, I paid it, and it was worth every dollar. Yes, like, yeah, so true. So so true. Yep. And like going back and forth between Miami and New York, though, is it they're not the same? Like, is it hard like traversing between the two, especially for a comedy scene? It's been like a really big growth period, a growth spurt. Starting stand-up in New York is like, as somebody had given me this metaphor and I actually think it's very true. It's like spring training ball players where like there's weights on the bats. Like, so it helps them swing harder or faster or 
whatever baseball players do. I don't know. And and then like when you go to try to do comedy anywhere else, it feels like the weights are being taken off yeah. the bat. And yeah. you're oh shit. So it has been interesting because as they're very similar cities, like they're rude, they're loud, there's a lot of money. They got that East Coast grit. But like I came down from New York where people listened to your comedy and, and the audiences are smart and political and they want you to have something to say. And like they're surrounded by like, like you could kill and do great. But they're like, well, I just saw Dave Chappelle next door. He dropped in on a bar show and did 45 minutes. Like, you know, like it's just so much more competitive. And then I like came down to Miami, which never really had a comedy scene until a year ago. But they're very good at like clubbing and like bottle service and <laughs> plastic surgery. And, you know, like it's like it's just been such a challenge. Like I feel like Miami made me really fight for a crowd and work for a crowd in a new way that like I didn't really always have to do in New York. And then like New York, I feel like is where I go to like hone material. It's been interesting. It's been a big growth period juggling both and seeing like I feel like I come down to Miami to cut my teeth, but I go to New York workshop it. You know, it's funny. People always say, go to New York if you want to become funny and go to LA if you want to like work on acting. Come famous. Yeah. And go to Florida to lose your mind, regret everything. Die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Live yeah. really cheaply. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like material fodder down here, though. It's a lot of absurdity, a lot of crazy people. It's so easy to make fun of it anywhere else in the country. Even like niche references in Miami. Like one of my favorite jokes, I'm like, I say how like, all of the women in Miami are beautiful and all of the men look like characters from Grand Theft Auto. And like that, like, like, say, thank you. Thank you for the laugh. Cause if you didn't laugh, I would kill myself. No, no <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I would be like, okay, they didn't really, <laughs> that one always works, but it worked everywhere. Like, like Denver, it's work, Nashville, it's work, like people. So Florida is very easy to, to poke fun at. And honestly, so is New York. You can kind of come down and make jokes about being broke and rat and what and people are like, yeah, I heard that about New York. People down here probably laugh. People taking themselves too seriously as well. Totally. Yeah, totally. And also people, at least in Miami, not necessarily Florida. Yeah, Florida's definitely like you people take yourself too seriously. COVID, who cares? Spit in people's mouths like, you know, and you're like, well, <laughs> a whole bunch of people died and they're like, who cares? Like, you know, <laughs> they're on the other end of it. But Miami's too self-centered like miami is actually one of the only places that jokes about other places don't work because they're just like excuse me talk about me <laughs> how, how are you going to involve me in your set and you're like jesus christ what was it like like going from that the skill level where you're you know you're you're, you're getting up and you're getting laughs to, to tra- trans- transitioning to like doing this as a career um it's a lot for so I think for so much of your early years in comedy yeah it's about can I do this and am I good can I get laughs really I think just when you think you found your voice, you really haven't. Like they always say like it takes 10 years and you're always like, that doesn't really take 10 years. Nah, that's that's not that's not realistic. That's too long. You kind of do this for like six months and you're like, oh yeah, it takes 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I see it now. And I don't even think it takes 10 years to get laughs. I do think it takes 10 years to fully final form, yeah. Yeah, find your form. And and during that time, as you grow as a human, you grow as a comic, of course. And the two things like overlap. But then, yeah, it is at some point as an artist and as a comedian, it it is a business that mixes like work and play a lot. And I think once you get past the fact that like, okay, I can get laughs and I get booked by my peers and I'm I'm, I'm feeling comfortable and good about this. I think at some point it it, it is hard to transition to that monetization phase and stuff like that. And I, I think what I've been learning now that I'm three years and doing it mostly full time. And it's really all I do. It's about consistency, I think, with anything. I mean, I'm sure you guys know that about a podcast, too. It's like some episodes are better than others. You're probably like, this episode sucks. This bitch is crazy. But, you know, it's fine. We love people that talk. Actually, it's, it's good for a podcast to have someone who can who can speak. Listen, say no more. We, we can step away. You just say you'll run the mic for a while. <laughs> yeah. Just so let me just knock this one out. Yeah, I I think it's about being consistent. And I think once you're consistent... Like even more than killing you, you're like, okay, I'm over the whole insecurity of whether I can get laughs or not. I can. Now it's about, can I show up and deliver and do the job no matter what the crowd is, what the city is and also do it online too. I have to be able to do it on the stage and do it online. You also, you, you mentioned that you're in your words, you're a comedy snob and you don't like doing hacking material and stuff like that. Was that, was that something that you've always kind of had like throughout your career? Is that something you kind of developed over time? Like kind of a, a an aversion to that? I actually will say I've always been a comedy snob. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Like, there's shit 
I say on stage, I have those jokes for it's usually crowds. I'm not going to lie in central to North Florida. Yeah. (laughs) That like, I have a stupid joke about like the Myers-Briggs personality test. And I'm like, what'd you get? And someone's like, INTJ. And I'm like, I got C-U-N-T. And it's so (laughs) But it works. It works. I can't thank you. I would have killed myself. Just kind of (laughs) throwing myself to an alligator. You always have those lines. And obviously you write things that you think are funny. Then a year later or three months, a month later, you could be like, that sucks. Like, no, like, I hate that. But I, the only reason I'll say I'm not a hack is because I started stand up. I started after like a really abusive relationship and like a mid twenties upheaval of my life. So the things I wanted to talk about, I actually started on the opposite side of thinking that I was like, like naive enough to think that I could talk about these really tough, dark things when I was like, you moron on like your fourth open mic. Or like, you've only been doing this for three months. So I think starting with that kind of me to like write way outside of the box a little bit. And now like walking it back. Like, I think actually after you do this for a while, you could become a hack because you just start getting like for laughs. That's got to be difficult. Like when, when you've got something that, you know, works all the time to, to step out of that and like, you know, bomb a little to get more material. Right. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. And know that you're going to like venture into material that's darker and I'm a big believer that comedy isn't always about laughs. I think it's about, you know, you want people to be uncomfortable. That's just me. Right. It's like you want people to be uncomfortable. You want maybe, <gasps> or you want now, or you want them. Like, I think bombing is when they're flatlined and they don't give a shit. I don't think bombing is when they're like heckling to be involved. You're, like, on the contrary, like you have them. Like they're feeling so connected to you. They want to like respond to you. Join in. And chime in. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it is super frustrating as you go on because not nobody understands our process as comedians. So thanks for saying that because I feel like so many times they see us and if you don't have the strongest set because you're trying to push through a new 15 or push through a new 10, people just walk away and they're like, she didn't really do that well or get that many laughs. And yeah, you get to a point where even your process is strong. Like I can still work on new stuff and figure out a way to carry it. And I'll, I'll never not get laughs, I think, at this point. But it, it does suck because nobody understands that. It's like, oh, or maybe she's like really needs is trying to finish an hour and has to like push through 10 minutes of this. That's new and sucks now. But in six months is going to be awesome. Yeah, that's the thing with the craft and all like it, it is a working process. Like it, it's just you don't just write stuff and it's funny automatically. You have to figure out a way. How am I going to say it? How am I going to deliver it? Where's the punch at? Like, like it's, it's a, it's a long drawn out. It's hard because you can't really do it. Like, like an artist can draw, they can draw anywhere. They can draw on their desk. They can draw in the park comedians. You have to be in front of people and you have to perform. You, you can't just perform in front yeah. of your cats or dog or, or kids or something. Like it's, you need an audience. And- I say that all the time. I used to work in the music business. The before times I was a publicist for bands okay. while doing comedy nice. on the side and I used to say all the time, like now I say to my clients that I still keep in touch with, I'm like, you have it way easier. <laughs> like your creative process is in private. Like mine has to be in public. There's no way you can sidestep stage time. Yeah. You know, no matter how much you write or practice in your mirror or whatever, you got to get up there and give it to a living, breathing audience that looks different every night and then fucking figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes you get the heckler. Sometimes you get a bad mic. Like all the, the infinite things that can go wrong in a set. And all you have to learn to adapt to so much shit or sometimes like great jokes that usually land don't land. And then you're like, what? And you're just like, okay. Like, and you just got to keep, you know, it's like a boxer getting like sucker punched randomly. And you see, they're like, wait a minute. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this. Like I thought I had this on lock. Yeah, you're right. A painter can paint in private and stuff like that. Also like they just look at comedians as like a joke. Like they see the us up there with a microphone. And like oh, I could do that. I think a lot of people still think that you just go up there and talk this off the cuff. Anyone can do it. <laughs> no. There's like, there's a, there's a few comedians that do that. I think like Ian bag seems to kind of do that. Like there's, there's so much work to put into it. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, like if people like walk away and say, Oh, that that's, that was terrible. And like when somebody's put so much work into it, they don't, I don't think they understand the gravity of a statement like that. You know, I agree. Or a lot of people, I had somebody say the dumbest thing and it was another comic. So I'm not even going to name names, but they were like, I feel like I just always see you riff. <laughs> like they were like, and I was like, that's because it looks natural, moron. Like I was like, <laughs> they're like a newer comic. And they were like, oh, do you have 45 <laughs> minutes? I was like, yeah, it's called like working with the crowd and setting things up or it looks natural because I do it all the time. Like, but yeah, to that point, like that's why they feel so comfortable heckling us because they just are like, 
shut up. You're making this up <laughs> as you go. Like, yeah. Making this up, aren't you? Like, you're just talking out of your ass. And you're like, no, I actually, you know, wrote this and thought about it and believe it. Brittany, do you get heckled a lot? You, you, you mentioned heckling a few times. So I was just curious if it, you're one of those people that get heckled all the time. In Miami, I do. Miami, <laughs> ugh, ugh, I hate, I love and hate Miami. Ugh. Let me not shut on my city, but. It's just so they just don't know how to behave at comedy shows, and they're <laughs> so stupid. They're so stupid, <laughs> so dumb. And like, you guys are laughing because you're in Fort Myers, and I'm sure you've been there. And you're yeah. like, it's a place, like it's a really <laughs> stupid place. And it said with love, like I love a lot of things that are stupid, like my uncles. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you get heckled a lot because they don't know any better, and they think that they're like helping. Yeah, adding to the show. Yeah. yeah. Like, or that they don't realize it's rude and it's derailing you. Like a lot of times they're not nasty about it, but it's still annoying. And I do find, I actually recently had a comic, a good friend of mine when I was in New York say, he goes, I love watching your sets. He's like, not only to hear like your new material that you're working on, but he's like, you always have a way of engaging so well with the crowd. Excuse me. He was like, something's always happening during your set. It kind of got me thinking. And he's like, he goes, no, when I love seeing you, you handle it. Like you shut it down or you bring them in or whatever. And it kind of got me thinking. I was like, is it really? And he's like, yeah, I feel like your sets are always like, they're no two are ever the same. And you always whatever. And I kind of got thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, that is true. Like people just feel this unhinged need respond to me. <laughs> and like, like sometimes like, I honestly am starting to take it. Like I just got heckled so bad in Gainesville two weeks ago. <laughs> And I did 45 and it was all, they were so nice, but they were just like, oh my God, that happened to me. And one time my daughter bit her dog off and I was like, what is like, and they were like, I get you girl. I agree. And I was like, oh my God. And there were like eight of them that were doing it. So it ended up being like a fucking town hall meeting. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Literally. Or they were just like, girl, that's true. Or like some man walked up and was like, you're great. Here's $20. And I was like, <laughs> what on God's green is happening right now? I did think about it. And I was like, I guess it's like a blessing in disguise. Like that's when I was like, well, bombing is when they don't care. Like that's bombing yeah. to me. Like they're like, God, bitch, shut up. Or like get off the stage, <laughs> get off stage. Well, that's like a whole other thing. Like walking a room is a whole other thing. I don't think I've yeah. ever quite done that. But like, <laughs> I was like, I guess this is like a good one to have. Like they're so engaged and feel comfortable with me that they were like, like in front of me, they were like, that's funny. That's good. I agree. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> We, we talked to Sean Finity and he gets heckled a lot as well. Oh, I love him. He's so great. Yeah. yeah. He thinks it's because of his accent. He just seems like it's more approachable for people to yell at stuff at him. He's already like a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. He has a very strong Irish accent. I think he's another one. I mean, he's great. Like, I think he's another one that like, he's got such great energy. Doesn't leave you an option, but to fucking pay attention to him and like <laughs> come along this ride with him. So I can see that being what people respond and yell back or whatever. But yeah. With a, with a crowd like that in Gainesville, like how, how did you approach dealing with them? Like keeping the show going and everything? Thank God I had 45 minutes. <laughs> I would have been so fucking pissy. I would have been like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's so many people. I went to college there and I had so many people come see me. And I was like, can you not right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I want to like present my life's work like that I'm like <laughs> owning. You have no choice but to engage with them, especially if they're pulling people's attention away. I actually felt amazing about that set, believe it or not. Like I'm shit talking it, but I felt awesome about it. And I actually think that for my friends and like people that were there, it made for a very special show because you know, that's the beauty of live comedy. That's the beauty of it versus a Netflix special that they now are like, Oh my God, I just got to be a part of something that like is never going to happen again. Yeah. And, and on a little bit, if I were to flex first, I think I also got to like, not only show my material, but show that ability to like deal and make them a part of the set. And it really did make for, like I said, it wasn't bad at all. They were very nice. They were just like on, ketamine i don't even know what the fuck like, i don't know what the fuck was happening they like snorted the vaccine and i, it, I was like, well, this is what i'm being dealt <laughs> oh like yeah moment to moment i think you bomb when you let it affect you like i always enjoy like crowd work that's uh that, that's more that's more inclusive and that because you know, some some comedians they get they get very angry when uh you know when they're being heckled and that's that's sometimes that's off-putting mm -hmm. yeah i think you said well like engaging like in a good way like a positive way is good when they engage in a negative way where it's like antagonizing or like telling them to shut the fuck up or 
hey, stop being an asshole, where you're just trying to like weave it into your set at that point. Yeah, and that's not even like a heckler. Like that's like a terrorist. Like I don't even know. Like it's, that's not even like like to me. Like when and I've had that too. Like I've been heckled like that too, where it was like, yeah, totally, shut up or something. And it's like, okay, like we get it. Like you you haven't been to therapy in a few weeks. Like like you know what I mean. Like it's like, and usually in situations like that, unless you're really flagrant and really bad up there on stage usually the crowd's on your side because mm-hmm. they're watching that happen. So like, you can never be one of my favorite comics, Jessica Curson had given me this piece of advice. She's like, you can never be like meaner than them, you know, like handle it in a way that like you give it back, but never be meaner than them. Cause then that, yeah, that is how you'll like walk lose the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So like, it's almost like teaching children. It feels like babysitting. That's how that night in Gainesville felt. Like I felt like, I was running a daycare and I was overloaded and there were too many kids and like they all had a sugar rush at the same time. And they were like, Miss Brave, Miss Brave. And I was like, okay, kids, sit down. Like, I was like, I literally was looking at grown men. I was like, aren't your parents going to come pick you up soon? Like, <laughs> So you also did mention uh, improv. You started with improv. Why did you stop? You just like uh, stand up more? There's money in stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Fair that enough. Makes sense. Not a lot. Let me, <laughs> not a lot. No, I love improv. I even taught it for like three years in New York. I had like my own program and stuff and it was great. I love improv. There's this weird West Side Story-esque battle between stand-up and improv where stand-ups are like, I'm not real comedy. Yeah, you're laughing. You get it. Yeah. And then improvisers are like, stand-ups are just bitter and not loved by their mother, which is true. But like, you know, like there's truth to both sides. I adore it. And I like credit it so, so much to me, like finding my comedic voice and the reason why I was able to start stand up and get really comfortable really quick. I just think I got to a point with improv. I don't want to sound, there's always infinite growth to like learn in comedy and stuff and room for that. But I think I got to a point that like I did all the schools and I felt comfortable teaching and did that pretty well for a couple of years. I just don't, I don't have a desire to do improv anymore. Okay. Yeah. We, we've talked to quite a few comedians that they did start with improv and they kind of, they feel like they a little bit grown out of it at a certain point. We're just like, you're kind of, eh, we're, we're kind of done with this and we want to try something new. So I wasn't sure if it was similar. Yeah. And you flex out on stage with stand up. And I guess if I found somebody I really vibed with and like wanted to do a two person improv thing, then like totally it weaves itself into so many other things that I do. Mm-hmm. Because even like your acting and all, um, I mean, like improv usually pay, uh, helps out a lot of acting, being able to like just improvise your lines and, and kind of like riff off each other like in that sense. Oh, totally. Yeah, it helps to stand up knowing how to handle moments like that. And I think you have you have such an asset as an actress when you can come on set and you have a comedy in your background, but be improv and you're like, actually, I have a joke. Can I riff for a second or, you know, fuck around with this? And if the director's cool, then do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of acting, you uh, watched a couple episodes of The Disastrous Dating Life of Diane Damone. All oh, right. It was really funny the other day when I was yeah. watching it. So what, what's, um, what, what was it like putting that together? Um, It was great. Yeah, it was great. I was uh, the lead. I also was super involved in production. I got to really be, it was, it was an indie project. So I did everything from helping cast actors to schedule, to scout locations, to coordinate rehearsals, to run the socials, to even help, you know, I help take it to the next level. It's actually currently kind of being pitched around for some fun stuff and, okay. you know, maybe we'll end up somewhere else, but it was great. You know, it's a, you do a lot of acting roles that, you know, some of them are fun, some of them aren't and stuff like that. But, you know, it was cool to have a role that I actually identified with. So how much, um, how much of your time do you think you spend acting and doing auditions and stuff like that? Stand-up is taking up way too much of my stand-up's ruining my life. (laughs) Are you trying to do more acting? Like, is that a career path you want to go down? Or are you just content with stand-up? For sure. Yeah. (laughs) My background's in acting. Yeah, 100%. Like, let's get this mug on the silver screen. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I think down the line, that's definitely the end goal is like movies and shit like that. But right now, stand-up's so all-consuming. Actually, sometimes it's like, I'm like, man, I wish I could like press pause on live performance for a second so that I can like focus on auditioning or acting in my own shit. Like perfect world, if you're if you get everything that you want to do, like what's the thing that you want to be doing every day? I would love to have a pool boy. Gotcha. So you you want to you want to like you you want to make enough money, you can have a pool boy. Obviously, kind of sit out there. I'm in this for the money. Obviously, I know. I I obviously want the pool boy. I want to be spoon fed grape, private. <laughs> I hate this shit. I just want to make money and then retire and just sit in a load of money because I had one starring role in a Quentin Tarantino movie and that's it. No, honestly, I would always love like my my thing. My dream thing is like, I really want to have my own talk show someday. 
I think that the late night space is up for the taking for women to actually be engaging in fun. Well, I shouldn't say that. Like I adore Chelsea Handler. <laughs> like go back to how Joan Rivers was when she, like she was like the first woman to have a late night talk show when she was hysterical and edgy and shit like that. And I don't think that there's something like that right now that I would love to like have a, you know, do that. And also tour. Like I'm at the point where I don't see stand up ever not being a part of like my life and stuff like that. What's uh, what's the thing you like least about stand up? Mm. A toss up between the misunderstanding that people have about the art form, which we talked about, and how they think that it's this like weird riffing magic that's happening up there, or comedians aren't like weirdly allowed to have an off night. Like it's just like, well, she didn't really kill it. It's like, well, like what? I don't know. It's like so. It's just a very harsh conditions put on stand ups. And I also think that the one thing that I always resented about it was that I like spent my life acting and doing improv and sketch and I wasn't the hottest girl in the class or I wasn't even the smartest, but I knew I was the funny girl. Like that was always, that's a common thread with comedians. Like, well, I knew I was funny. Like I knew that that was like my superpower and stand up can make you doubt that. Like it, you can start this and it's so harsh and such a weird thing and a weird formula to it that it can kind of cause some like imposter syndrome and it can kind of make you like all of a sudden you're like, I- I'm not good at this. Like I'm not funny at all kind of thing. And it, it can kind of seep in, which I, again, I think is just like common with a lot of artistic paths. I just wish people understood what actually goes into stand up Cause I just get asked also to like the dumbest fucking questions about it. Like, do you write your material? And you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like just stuff like that. Yeah. You're like, my next question was, do you write your own material? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you, can you do covers? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I know. I wish I could do covers of other people's jokes. That'd be amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. Some people do. So we, we actually didn't talk about your first time going up. I know you said you moved up to New York and then you started doing stand-up. What was like that, that pinnacle point that made you want to go on stage and actually like try it? Um, I honestly was like, I had like literally ruined my life in my mid-20s, late-20s. And I was in like super toxic, abusive relationship. I hated my job in the music business. And I was starting to talk about it and then put pen to paper about it. And people around me were like, well, the place to talk about this is stand up. It's a little Maisel ish. It's, it was a little like threw myself into this thing. Also, I had had for years, people I was doing improv with was like, aren't you going to do stand up? And I was like, no way, which is so funny now. I was like, I hate stand up. Like, not for me, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Fucking fuck me, famous last words. I'm like, and then, yeah, I don't know. That was the medium to talk about this shit. And then I got up there and I think with everybody who sticks to stand up, there's a common thread of like, unfortunately, the first time went really well. Okay. All things considered, like not really well, but like nobody sticks with this at the first few times. They didn't feel okay up there. Like, and I'm, I'm, when I say stick with it, I mean more than like three years. You know what I mean? Maybe even more than five years, really. Like, I like, you know, like it's like it, you stick with it because after that first time, you're like, wait a minute, I could figure this out. Or somebody laughed, period. And you're like, oh shit. Okay. You know, so. Yeah, stand up was just like an inevitable. But where else am I going to talk about this stuff? So it just led me to that. Yeah, yeah. I get that. And did you prepare any material going up, or did you just kind of just wing it? I did. I did know I had things that I just thought were funny, mostly like stories and stuff like that, and like, but no joke structure yet. Like I didn't really know that yet or not. I just like probably rambled, you know, and riffed actually because mm. like you know, and then just like recorded all of these sets that I've since burned out of my iCloud. You know, but like went back and watched and was like, well, that kind of got a laugh. So maybe just start repeating that and, you know, slowly but surely you figure it out. But I lucked out and I started hitting open mics. And then a friend of mine worked with somebody at TBS who was programming parts of the New York Comedy Festival that year. And I was so brand new. It was such a fluke. I was so brand new to stand up. And I went to an open mic and I sent them my five minute tape where I did whatever adjective you want to put on it. Like, fine. You know, I was so new. I I don't even tell those jokes anymore. And I submitted and as some like absolute fluke picked me to be like an emerging talent. TBS live streamed at New York Comedy Festival. They were like, do you have 10 minutes? Can you come do 10? And I was like, I can't like I didn't even have three like but I just I sent them like my reel and my improv stuff and I was like here's like a five minutes that I did it at an open mic and they were like we really like you we can give you a slot and it's going to be live streamed on like TBS's socials and YouTube and stuff like that and I was like oh okay so I kind of got pushed in the deep end and again it didn't go ter- well comparatively it went ter- terribly but at the moment it didn't like I got laughs and it felt good so I was like oh I guess I should put this happily ever after here we are 
Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> if not, I'd be interpretive dance and no, nobody needs that. <laughs> or only fans. I'm my only fans. Of course. Of course. Yeah, direct, yeah. To consumer, direct to consumer. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you, you've done a lot of charity work as well, right? Your two podcasts, Finally Funny and Cat Call and like, and, um, you know, advocating for other women's issues. Cat Call is like my neglected little daughter. <laughs> Very bratty and acts out, but she's, you know, she's a philanthropist. No. Yeah, I do all female Cat Call and all female centric, female centric content, I should say. It's a little bit of everything and it's kind of evolved over the years because it kind of with me when I was in the music business and now I'm like an independent comedian and artist on my own, but. I am super fired up about gender equality and women's reproductive rights and domestic violence awareness and all that kind of stuff. So Cat Call is the perfect platform where I get to like speak on panels and create content around that and have a podcast through it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's the it's it all is kind of intertwined, but Cat Call is where I can kind of focus. It's a little less funny and a little bit more that side of me that's actually wants to fix the fucked up shit in the world for women. How, how long have you been doing that that work? 2017, I started. Okay. And it started as like panels and roundtable stuff again. It was like a music industry thing. And then it just kind of evolved. Then we kind of fell more into events. And then I moved out of the music business and became a comedian. And then that. But I've been doing it for a while. We've we've raised money for like Planned Parenthood, Abortion Access Front, Center for Reproductive Rights, Safe Horizon, Safeway Out, New Jersey. I'm forgetting some. You were doing that before you you did stand up as well. Yeah. I actually don't really dabble too much with stand-up and catcall. But I mean, I love an all-female lineup. I book women all the time and I love to give women stage time because they're just the voices that need to be heard. No offense to either of you. Oh, I'm assuming you're straight, but the straight white male voice, like we've heard enough of that Couple. comedy. Don't assume our sexuality. <laughs> I was like, are they married? Like, I don't know. Like, I was hoping you guys, I was hoping you guys were married. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna give birth next week. Uh, yeah. As I was to say, I just put you. I remembered. I was like, you have a wife who's pregnant. I was like, oh, is that? I don't know. Listen, it's 2021. Anything's possible. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. We're joking. We're, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're like, know. no way. I would never marry yeah. that. No, absolutely not. It wouldn't work out. I, I knew much better than him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. I'm. Uh, of divorce court i love it yeah i i don't even know where the fuck i was going with it oh wait yeah i try to keep me as a comedian it's like a venn diagram it's like me as a comedian and there's cat call with me that's trying to like burn the patriarchy i hate that but yes you know sure and then the right in the middle it overlaps at times but i do try to keep the missions a little bit separate like, I don't know if you can like turn off the funny. Is, is that like, a, like you have that problem when you're working with the cat call stuff is like, you're, you're not trying to be funny, but you're still being funny. I actually don't. I don't. It's actually okay. refreshing sometimes. I mean, I think it's refreshing to not have to be funny or feel the pressure to be funny. I think I just end up filtering things through humor because I like it. And it's just, that's where the comedian's going to kind of crawl our way out regardless. But again, I, I think the best comedians elevate from just trying to go from laughs per minute. And they're the people that are like, raising money they're philosophers like however you feel about Chappelle, like nobody can or special like nobody can deny the fact that like he's beyond comedian at this point he's like a thought leader people wait to hear what he has to say about shit so it's like i think that's kind of where i get to use cat call like i use humor to kind of funnel it and dilute it a little bit or i don't know present it i guess yeah, it's nice because that is very much so another part of me. And I'd like to think that maybe it makes me a little bit different than other comedians. That I'm like, yeah, I like to be funny on stage and I have my stand up and that's doing its own thing. But I also have this other. Th and do you have a problem with like any of your fans like listening to Cat Call? Like, oh, can you just be funny? Like, I, I came here for jokes. Sure. Okay. Sometimes. I don't, I don't know. But I also think like if, if my stand up is very men definitely enjoy it. But I really think I ultimately do it for women and I do it for survivors. And I do it for women that are trying to um, live a little audaciously and kind of break rules nowadays and stuff. So I have a lot of jokes about gender and sexism and abortion and domestic violence and women and men versus women and intimacy and sex and stuff. So it's not that removed. And I also always feel like if, if people unfollow me or I lose fans or audience members because of that, then they probably belong there anyway. Yeah, fuck them pretty much. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You, you you kind of take more of a comedic approach with your violently funny podcast uh, with mm. with domestic violence and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Onika McLean did that. I love her. She's a great comic, great person. And we were two survivors of domestic violence. And when we met, we couldn't be more. I was like a twenty seven, whatever, however old I was, like white girl, never married, no kids, and had been impacted by this. And she was like a black woman from East New York. Uh, you know, has kids, a divorce, and like. You know, and, and it was two people that on paper were seemingly so different, but 
bonded by this thing that really doesn't see race, gender or any other kind of stuff. And yeah, like we just, we bonded and ended up talking for hours the first day. We did like a charity gig together and realized like, well, this should be a podcast. Like people talk so much about dating, but they don't talk about this side of dating. And then we're like, we're like, oh, what if that's our superpower is that we can put it through the funnel of humor to make it a little bit more digestible or make people pay attention a little bit more or care a little bit more. Basically, I think that's every comedian superpower though, making (laughs) you think, but you don't realize it because you're laughing. Uh, so is, is there is there something about the issue of domestic violence that that you wish more people knew about that that, uh, that, that that people don't know? It can happen to anybody. Again, no matter race, gender, economic status, married, single, sexuality doesn't it touches anybody. I know a lot of women that have been impacted by it, myself included, that have had people respond to it and say, like, I can't believe you went through that. And it's a compliment. And I know they mean well with it. I can't believe you. You're so strong or funny or you're so this or you're so that. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're also catching these women on the other side of it. And also like it's abuse. It's manipulation. It impacts anybody. I wish people knew how common it was. It takes shape in a lot of different ways, like emotional, financial abuse. It's not always physical. Not always physical. Sometimes the longer standing effects are mental and emotional. And I also wish people knew how, like, it's not easy. To, I mean, you always get this, why didn't you just leave? Or, like, rape, rape victims get, just didn't you, why didn't you just say no? Or, like, push them off? Or, like, you know, and it's just, it's just so easy when you haven't been through something to sit on the sidelines and judge somebody else's experience, having never experienced it. Yeah. And it's so easy for you to be like, why didn't you just leave? That's a fucked up thing to say. Totally. Totally lack of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. You get it a lot. And that's just ignorance, like anything else. Like it's just like not wanting to understand an issue that makes you uncomfortable. Or a lot of people don't want to think about shit that they don't have to go through. That's just the harsh reality of it. So they're just like weird. I don't know. I'd never let a man hit me. Oh, yeah. So with, with acting at all, um, I know the stuff I've seen was, was more uh, comedic focused. Uh, have you looked into like doing more like serious uh, stuff with acting or? Oh yeah. 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 I love it. I love dramatic acting. I want to do more of it. That's what my background's okay. in. Yeah. I love it. I think comedians are great dramatic actors because inside. So that too, like, so, and it's, it's nice to be able to show range for sure. Mm-hmm. So I also noticed you did some writing as well. Like, are you still actively writing? I don't know. Were you doing like writing for shows or? Um. Yeah. I write every day for my stand up always. And, yeah, okay. I, I love writing. I was writing for Lady Gun for a little while and through Cat Call, like about women's issues, but make it funny, same kind of shit. I like to selfishly only write things that I want to be in. That's just me. I would never be able to really write for somebody else. But that's, yeah, that's me. Makes sense. I really like the concept that you have for that, that improvised tarot show that you do. Thank you. It's my baby. <laughs> like or love or hate tarot, uh, the show is for you. No matter what your stance is on astrology and tarot, that's what's great about it. Comedians bullshit tarot readings for a live audience. And it sounds hilarious. It's hilarious. It's so fucking silly. It's great. It's also like just imagine getting like life advice from stand up comedians who are like sleeping on the floor. <laughs> like amazing. Kismet. Like so great. But yeah, I host it and I bring the audience up and it's it's a nice show that has a real like vulnerability aspect because people actually come up and like spill out their life. And mm get into their shit and share a part of what's happening with them. And then comedians come and bring light to it and bullshit their way through a tarot reading and them laugh. And then at the end we have a psychic or me personally, like we'll do the reading. So they kind of get best of both worlds. They get a comedy show and they get a reading. They get hilarity and clarity is what we always say. You do, you do real tarot readings then. I do. I'm not a psychic by any means. I mean, listen, like I have a great intuition and there I'm an Italian witch, like that's a given, but <laughs> do I claim to be a medium? No, like I don't, I just, I like tarot and read about it a lot and have an understanding of the cards. So yeah. Josh's mom is a psychic. Is she really? Yeah. My, mom, my mom's an Italian uh, tarot reader and all of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like laughing. Like you, you guys would love each other. Be available right now. <laughs> I'll give you her number. He reach out to her, I guess. Yeah. I'm not even fucking kidding. Don't tell me that. Like I have a running joke with my friends when we walk past the psychic anywhere. They're like, no, Brittany. No, because I'll go in and I'll drop hundreds. Like, I'll just be like, tell me everything. Like, I'm like, so. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I don't claim to be that. Like, I'm not psychic. I don't think I have that, like, innate ability. Mm-hmm. I just have an interest in it and find spirituality through it. Now this is getting fluffy, but like. Oh, you you, you would love my mom. You guys would just chat for hours probably <laughs> on this. Yeah, she would love to do a reading for you. <laughs> Send her over. Do you guys know your signs? Do you know what sign you are? Uh, I'm a Libra. I'm a Cancer. 
Nice. Yeah. That's why you like a very pacifying energy. I love that. I love that. Can you guess my sign? Aries. Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about this. What about the What about the child of a psychic? Let's put your skills to the test. Can you guess my sign? What sign is your mom? Her birthday is in April. She's not Aries, right? I don't think she's Aries. Taurus. No, your your mom's a Taurus. Your mom's a Taurus. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's the end of April. I, I'm really bad for astrology as well, but you seem like Virgo, maybe. Oh my god, my moon is in Virgo. My moon is in Virgo. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm Aquarius. I'm not going to make you guys do this. That's fine. It's okay. We actually had our friend, uh, she, she's really big into astrology. She came on uh, a few months ago and she she get, told us all about the, the moon signs and everything. Like she gives a full rundown of it all. I love how men respond to astrology. I just want to say because men are always like, that's just bullshit. I don't really believe in it. I'm not, not saying you guys do this, but they're always like, I don't believe in it. My girl really believes in it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But then you back them into a corner and they're like, listen, I'm a cancer with the Libra rising in a Virgo moon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm sensitive, but I overthink shit. All right. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, or the second I whip a tarot deck out, it's the dudes who come running, like, yeah, I don't know, fuck it, pull a card, see what it says. Like, <laughs> every single time. And I'm like, okay, all right, I see you. Yeah. The Libra Cancer, calming energy. Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're welcome, bitch. You're going to sleep better tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there any other spiritual practices that you do um, besides those two things? Mm, pegging. Are you pegging? Yeah. Yeah. Down, down with the patriarchy. I'll see God through that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is going down a whole other thing. Um, usually when I'm a couple glasses of white wine in or I take an edible, I'm like, I just start getting into Catholicism. I'm like, I start really slamming the sacraments and shit. Like, but no, I don't not believe in God. I was technically raised Catholic. The Catholic is very like laissez-faire, as I'm sure you guys know. It's very like we're both we're both raised that way too. It's just yeah. so chill. It's just fake and stupid. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, go to church or don't. Who cares? Say you're sorry. Like it's just yeah. like, but no, I think I just yeah, I like tarot and astrology for self-reflection. That I, I do believe in like that higher, like, you know, what's meant to be will be. I believe in that in general. I, I used to be into a lot of that stuff too. Like the, I, I kind of got like obsessed with checking though, you know, so I had to just like leave it behind. It wasn't, wasn't good after a while. It can be a lot. There was a period yeah. of time where I was like pulling tarot cards, like 50 times a day. Like it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, what should I have for lunch? That, 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 that. <laughs> I was like, Oh great. A goat. Like, you know, like literally like <laughs> yeah. it was a lot. But I was like, should I text back or not? Uh, the, 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 mm, this night says no. Like, you know, yeah, like, exactly. So it could be a lot. It's gonna magic eight ball at that point. Just feel like, <laughs> right. My mom's a my mom is a hippie. She's in all that stuff. Like we, we were shopping one time and like there were there was a blue picture and a red picture. And we were sitting there talking about which which color would be better because of like the properties of the color. And I was like, this is I, like I, I just kind of woke up. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is way philosophical. We're not mentioning the BPA that's in this. It's gonna like shrink my testicles. You know, like we're, yeah. <laughs> we're just like talking <laughs> talking about the color of the fucking <laughs> picture. That's so funny. Yeah, like if you overthink anything, it's not good. That's one of my yeah. favorite sayings. Somebody's like, and I'm an overthinker. I feel like everybody here is. Most people, uh, most people yeah. overthink to some extent. But I'm like, if you overthink anything, you're gonna ruin it. So just make a decision. Yeah. It's Josh's favorite thing to tell me that I'm overthinking stuff. I'm like, I think I'm just trying to make this podcast great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing of overthinking, I'm, I'm fine with people that overthink as long as they do something productive with it. People that are overthinking <laughs> where it's just like preventing it from fired. doing it. fired. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So, no, no, no. But, but people that are using like overthinking as a preventing them from doing like something else like, oh, I can't do this sure. like, because of this. Like if you're using it to like, as, like not as a crush to get something done, because like like she was the type of guy who would just overthink it to infinity, and then like 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 him and his mom like talking about painting for yes, three hours at, at Sears. Like <laughs> yes, yes, you don't need to talk about painting for three hours. Just, like, just fucking buy just the go fucking with thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Just buy, buy it. Like, like who fuck cares? Like like yeah. get get a stainless steel one. It's better for your health. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I see both sides. Like, I think when you overthink, it's good because I think the general population, for the most part, on average, underthinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, they can be sometimes, I always think overthinking is crossing your T's, dotting your I's totally. But I also relate. Um, I see what Josh is saying. So, CMS, I think you and I are the same. Like, I overthink to the point where it causes inactivity. Yeah. Very hard to accept imperfection. Yeah. I'm standing in my own way. And how, how do you kind of get over that with stand up and, and, and comedy? Like, what, what do you do to, to overcome that? I don't know. You just train your brain. 
think you start to realize at some point and you never fully escape it. Like I just, I overthink things all the time still. And I can tell when my head got in the way, I think as long as like the audience can't tell that your head's getting in the way, that's it. You know, like, cause a lot of times I'm like, I think that sucked. And then people are like, that was great. And I'm like, but, and then I had a friend of mine, he's an actor in New York and he's like, it's not always about what you feel on stage. It's about how they feel like, so, and I, that kind of changed that. He's like, and that also changed my trajectory as a comedian. When I was like, it's really not, that's really true. It's not about how I feel. It's about how they feel. And he's like, just because you weren't present for it and you didn't feel like you liked what was happening doesn't mean they didn't or vice versa. Like, just because you had fun doesn't mean they didn't. And I was like, you do something enough times, you just stop overthinking it. Like, if you're just getting up every single day and just like working at it with stand up, just the individual weight of every single show goes down because you're just like, if you bomb, okay. If you do great, okay. Like, you just start to kind of look at it all as like net neutral. Is the first time the hardest? Did you stand up? Yeah, like, like, well, to, 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 like, to get to go up onto the stage. I think the hardest is probably the second or third time to continue doing it. Yeah, I think so. That first bomb, you know, especially if you have a natural inkling and like talent for it, like, probably the first few times you do it, you're so naive and you're like, oh my God, I'm getting laughs. I feel great. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. inevitably, if you stick with it, you're going to get whacked real hard with that first bomb. And then that's when you're like, wait a minute, this isn't always going to feel awesome. And stuff like that. And I think it actually gets harder the longer you care about it and you want to say something or you know eyes are on you and there's certain expectations. And then that's when you're like, this isn't fun as much as much anymore. Like I feel like if I don't kill right now, there's people in the room that are gonna think differently about me, or I'm really actually trying to work on something and it's not going well. And like that's I really think when it gets harder. Yeah. Do you have that problem like trying to chase that like constantly? We're like trying to chase those laps or trying to yeah, trying trying this to, to chase that growth and all like or are you able to like stay content at certain points? Um I think I have that problem. I think I have that problem, I would say. I think all artists do, though. I think that's how greatness is kind of made. I think, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're either I think if you get content, it's not good. But it is maddening. You also on the other like again on the other token, not to be super Switzerland about everything, but it's like on the other on one side, it's like, okay, great. Yeah, obviously try to be better and, and never settle or whatever. But on the other side, it's like you do have to learn when to like, hey, you did fine. You did great. Like it's yeah. fine. Yeah, because it kind of goes in hand in hand with the overthinking aspect of it as well. Like I think it really does come back to like shoot you in the fucking face at the end. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. So it's like and it's and, and then once you take the joy out of it, you don't want to do it anymore. Then it's harder to find your voice and your str- it all just it's like. So that's like, I think currently what I'm working on now is just like, some nights are great, some nights aren't like, and it's, it's again, like making it a job, which is like, did I do my job? Yeah. Did I make people laugh? Yeah. Did I show up and do my time? Yeah. Did I walk the room? No. Okay. Well, well, I did my job. And then some nights are incredible. And then some nights are terrible. And it's just about kind of separating yourself from it and learning to just like keep moving forward, no matter how it happened or how it went down. We usually ask one last question of our guests. Any words of wisdom for any aspiring comedian that you wish you would have got when you first started out? Don't do it. <laughs> We've heard that a few times now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck other comics. No. Um. <laughs> Not even once. That's a big one. That's actually number one. <laughs> I think you got to stay, you got to make sure you're happy with what it is that you're working on. Like you can cave to try to impress other comics. You can cave to try to impress industry. But the biggest thing in this thing is, Are you happy with the stuff you're talking about on stage? Do you think it's funny? Do you think it's worthy of being talked about? Integrity. Because you can sell yourself and your comedy out really quickly. But as long as you're like, no, I believe in that joke. I want to work on that. This is what I want to talk about on stage. Even if it's going to take me a while to find it. That's all that really matters. Because then like, whether the audience likes it or other comics like it or industry fucks with it or not, it doesn't matter because you get to put your head on the pillow at the end of the night and be like, I think this stuff is funny and what I want to talk about. Yeah, make sure you're you like your own comedy. You want to be a fan of your own comedy. Make yourself laugh. I think it's with a lot of different art forms as well. Like if you're not enjoying that what you're doing, or if you don't really like the work you're creating, I mean, why are you doing it then? Like doing it. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of people who have like achieved really high levels of greatness talk about falling in love with the work as well. It comes a lot more about that than than anything else. Mm-hmm. That's another really big one too. You have to fall in love with the process. Like it can't just be about the nights where you get the accolades or you get the applause breaks or you, or you get the recognition or the fist bumps from the con. Like you have to, you have to like commit to the process. Like it has to be, I knew comedy was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Cause I was like, I'm okay failing at this. Like I'm okay having nights where this doesn't feel good. 
and I can still get up tomorrow and be like, well, I want to do it again. Cause I like making it. I don't only like the accolades are fun and the bombs are sobering, but it's about that in between that you're like, I actually like the process of writing. I like the pro you have to like bombing. You're like, I like bombing a little bit. I like like, okay, this made me, this kept me on my toes. I learned what worked and what didn't, you know? And I think if you attach yourself to the process and like you're golden from there. Take the middle path. Yeah. Not to bring up a tarot card, but there's a card for that. It's called the chariot <laughs> pulled by two horses. And it's a guy on a chariot. And it's all about like, stay focused and don't let yourself get thrown off balance. I was quoting Buddha. So, so we're, we're on the same page. We're yeah. basically the same. Je- Jesus yeah. said, take the, take the narrow path. It's kind of the same thing. It's all Jesus, the same. take the wheel. Jesus, <laughs> take the wheel. <laughs> Brittany, we've had an absolute blast hanging out with you tonight. Yes. Bye, guys. Where can our listeners find more of you and your work? OnlyFans? No, um, not yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, let, let us know. We'll uh, we'll promote the shit out of that for you if you, uh, if you ever <laughs> if, you <laughs> ever, if I ever reach rock bottom. No, um, actually, I admire all <laughs> OnlyFans creators. You have the right idea, truly. I'm at Brittany Brave on Instagram, Twitter, Brittany Brave on everything. Um, and www.brittanybrave.com for tour dates and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. We awesome. really do appreciate hanging out with you. Yeah. This was so fun. Thank you so much. A lot of fun. And if I'm ever, if you guys ever want to come to Miami, what are you, two hours away? Yeah, uh, about two, yeah, two, two and a half, three hours, uh, depending on which part of South Florida. Or are you yeah. like, no, I get good Coke in Fort Myers, so I'm good. <laughs> no, we got really good crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, nice. Meth is, meth is good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, let me know. And if I'm ever in Fort Myers or Naples or whatever, I'll let you guys know. Like I said, it's on my docket for the next few months. So. I'll hook you up. My mom, she'll do a reading for you. She'll cook you some, uh, oh some good God, time God, food. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I was like, okay, hello. Like, that, I was like, this is in the stars that I was supposed to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. his, his, mom's, his mom's a medium, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, just ghosts yeah. and shit and all that. Yeah, yeah. A- okay. <laughs> Like hello, like this, yeah. this, is okay. this is amazing. I love it. Okay, I'm gonna hit you up about that. I'm gonna be like, can I be dragon with your mom? We gotta unpack some shit. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, like it's, it's funny. Like, like a lot of my friends throughout the years, and all, and even like my brothers and their friends and their girlfriends, they all love going to my mom for like the, the readings and and all. It's she's the go-to. Not really for me personally, but I'm glad for other people. <laughs> yeah that's great i mean my mom is low-key medium without trying to be she's always like i knew you'd be pregnant i dropped the fish like she's 100 like, oh. that's my mom <laughs> that's a funny story like like uh one time one time uh she she woke josh up with a with a wooden spoon because she had a she had a dream about him uh getting girl pregnant knocking up yeah you're knocking yeah, up with <laughs> girlfriend it's like what the fuck? italian too yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you i thought you said no i did it i'm gonna smack the shit out of you anyway <laughs> Part of yeah. it. Are you guys like childhood best friends? You go like yeah. way back. Uh, yeah, like yeah, middle grade, school. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I knew once you dropped the story about his mom growing up, I was like, oh shit, they're OGs yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's uh, we, we've kind of grown up forever. Like even like his mom is it was always like a second mom to me as well. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that so much. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Super cute. Yes. <laughs> now, you're really cool, Brittany. I'm, I'm glad it's worked out tonight. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like yeah. truly. Yeah, and I'll let you guys know Fort Myers or Naples. And if you're ever in Miami, just you know, holler for sure. But thank you guys so much. Awesome. I I can't wait for this to come out. This is really fun. Okay, awesome guys. Have a good night. You, you too. too. All right. Bye. bye. Good night, Brittany. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was a good good time. Good fun. Yeah, no, she she's really cool. I'm glad this worked out tonight. Had fun talking to her. She she says um she says hello just like your mom. How so? <laughs> hello yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the the, the tarot card reading and all that like that's, that's such a blast i actually want her to like do the reading with my mom i think it'd be so fucking cool <laughs> oh she should i mean your 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 mom your mom's a, your mom's a lot of fun you know yeah you know, there's it's like she's great I, lo- I, lo- I love your mom i love your mom you know it, it, it's funny with Brittany with the uh, the improv thing. It, it's such a it seems like it's a really common thing where yeah. a lot of comedians kind of move away from it where they, they got their start. It kind of landed them into comedy and then uh, tangents into stand up, which is very interesting. That makes sense. Well, because then we have people like like Alan Linick as well. That like that's all he wanted to do was improv. He never really yeah. wanted to do stand up and to write. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting. Like the, it's kind of like the, the career paths, but they're they're still like similar lane. 
I think being able to riff on on different ideas and like have that spont spontaneity. And so I think that's extremely important for it's it's extremely it seems like it's extremely important for writing for for everything for like, like even like kind of understanding yourself. I would say I feel like I feel like most people kind of walk around as just they're just like syndicated opinions that they they've heard like everywhere else. And yeah, of course, kind of creative process is uh, I think it, it it opens up a different dimension of yourself. Yeah, and the, the one of the interesting things like she she kind of stepped away from improv to like be funny like the, the work like actually like like work on being funny whereas like so like alan like he did improv and then went to like saturday night live and like was writing skits and like that stuff is funny i think that being funny i think that comedy there's there seems to be seems to be multiple aspects of that there's there's the there's the recognition of what's funny right mm-hmm. then there's the creation of what's funny and uh there's also there's also this like this kind of inserting yourself into that paradigm as well and so I think improv probably fills one of those skills, but there's like other things that, that, that you've got to, you've got to accomplish as well. Yeah. I do love the, the fact that she, she really just loves like stand up and all like, like she, she's all about it. Like it's yeah. really Brittany, so she's really, really into stand up. She's about that life. Yeah. I like it. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to support the WWSD podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WWSD underscore podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me see. Seamus. Is that how you pronounce it? Seamus? It's a Seamus, actually. Seamus, yeah. Seamus. Yeah. That's a cool name. Thanks. It means Jim. It doesn't really mean Jim. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Gaelic for James. Yeah. That's awesome. She- yeah. It's Seamus is how you pronounce it. Seamus, yes. That's very cool. I said like, famous like a fucking public school tart. Oh, okay, that's okay. That's I, you know, it's, uh, it happens usually. Oh, uh, middle, middle school was not not nice to him uh, with, with the name of uh, Seamus. It looks like semen. So yeah. you got all those jokes. That's why he's got, he's got character now, though. He's got integrity, you know. And I do. <laughs> I've I've been through it. <laughs>